The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I love baptism weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends. And uh, I love that, that uh, those that baptize are ones that have a hand in, in helping them uh, come to Jesus and in, enter that life. And so I'm excited about baptisms, nine baptisms over the whole weekend. And uh, I love it. Every service we've had baptisms. This week, um, I got a few housekeeping things and, and then we'll get into some things. But um, this, this next week, uh, May 15th through 19th, is uh, law enforcement week, and uh, it's Blue Ribbon Week, and uh, we have quite a few uh, law enforcement officers in our church, and, and uh, I want us to spend time as a church praying over you, um, but also I want to do this this weekend uh, to give our church a heads up so that during the 15th through the 19th, I want to encourage you to do something uh, for your local police uh, uh, department. Um, so if there's a substation close to you, um, do something nice for them. Uh, do something nice for an officer. We've got quite a few officers um, spread throughout our services and, and their schedules are all over the place. And, and uh, we want you to know that we stand behind you. We love you. We thank you. And, and, and we're praying that God, uh, God gives you the grace and the strength and continue the courage to do what you do um, and be a light into so many areas that you have to step into that uh, there's not a lot of light. And um, so I'm, I'm uh, wanting us as a church to pray for our, our entire law enforcement community um, and, that, uh, uh, and for us to do something that shows our support for them as well. So uh, let me, you know what? I, I, I've tried this once before of having law enforcement officers stand up, and a lot of them didn't want to do it. Um, and so I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but here's what I do want you to do. If you're in law enforcement, know this. We love you. We're praying for you. And, and, and we stand behind you and we want to help you. We want to we, we help you and, and encourage you in doing what you're called to do because you have an incredible calling and I know it's difficult. And uh, so let, let's, pray for, let's pray for all of our, our officers and law enforcement real quick. So Father, we thank you um, that you've called men and women um, uh, to be our protectors. And God, I just pray that you, uh, that you protect them, um, that you uh, protect their families, protect their homes, protect their uh, relationships with their children. And God, I just pray that you protect their relationships in the community. And I just ask that you continue to give them courage um, and that, that for the leaders in our law enforcement community, you continue to give them wisdom. And, and God, we just, uh, we thank you that you do call those to stand out and protect us. And, and uh, we pray for uh, just a grace on those officers and, and a peace um, for the peace they're trying to help maintain. And so we, uh, we, we love you, we love them, and we just ask you to use us to do something uh, in our community um, that brings just tangible change. And we thank you for all of this, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Um, so um, I know that, that there's, uh, there's always a lot going on with that, but um, do something nice for them, thank them, and um, love them, continue to pray for them and encourage them, um, because that's not an easy place to be, not an easy occupation. Um, but uh, we did the One Church video, and every month we're, we're trying to give an update on our One Church campaign, and that, that's our campaign. Uh, we started last fall. It's a three-year journey, and, and the whole premise on that is increasing capacity for ministry. 
And uh, when we talk about capacity, the first thing that we tend to think is square footage. And, and we've expanded to four services at the creek, and that's helped us to get some, some spread um, with people and the, 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 the crowded nature. And we are in this process to add square footage, but, but we can't lose focus on this because the focus is not square footage. The focus is what you saw in the video. The focus is the gospel going out into our community and to all the world. If we miss the point on that, we've missed the point completely. I would much rather not build any square footage and continue to see lives changed in Fort Worth and elsewhere. That's a much wiser use of of the funds and resources and abilities and talents that God trusts us with. Uh, But I want you to know that you have a hand in the capacity of ministry. Capacity is not just square footage. It's about increasing our heart for God to do something in us and through us. And so I wanted you to see what God has done through you and through your generosity over this year. I mean, those numbers that you saw were this year. Many of our people have been on the ground in those locations. We've had a team go to Toronto. We'd have, we've had teams in, in Africa, and we've had teams in Nicaragua. And, and it's, it's one thing to see it on a video, but when you walk in that area, when, you, when you're in that area, and when I, I mean, I've walked down the streets of Kigali and walked into the slum of Gatenga, and when you see the transformation in somebody, when you hear their story, uh, it, it is something that just really, it gets you. And, and I mean, that's our mission, to glorify God through lives changed by the message of Jesus. That has been and will continue to be our mission. And I think that is the main focus. So let's, let's not ever lose our focus, okay? If we think church is a building, we've lost it. But the church is the people of God that come together to glorify and lift up the name of Jesus no matter where we are. And that happens in Fort Worth, Texas. That happens in Gatenga, Rwanda. That happens in Diriamba, Nicaragua. That happens in Toronto, Canada. That happens all over the world. That's the church. And so let's never lose focus on that. Baptisms are a major part of our focus because that's the, the, the symbolism that we get to celebrate as a life changed. I mean, I was saved when we launched the church, and that's a good thing. Um, so, I mean, you want your pastor to be a Christian, right? Um, but it's not just, you know, when we talk about lives changed by the message of Jesus, it's just not, it's not just getting saved. It, it, my life has been changed since we launched the church. And I've seen just God do incredible things in our church and through our church, and that's what I want to continue to see more of. That's, what, that's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the kingdom. And we can never lose sight of that. Now, I understand facilities are important, and, and there's a need for that, but let's not elevate the need for that and make that our main focus. Can we, can we all agree on that? If that ever gets out of whack, let's just, let's just reset some of that focus. Jesus was clear in his focus. That's what, that's what we're going into today is this idea of a clear focus, and Jesus has a clear focus. We're going to explore that a little bit this morning, so if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's, that's yours. You take it home. If you've got a smartphone, um, you can use that to find the scripture. Just on your way to an app called Version. stop by Facebook and turn left and like us and um, check in. And uh, if, if, hello, everyone on Facebook, by the way. We Facebook Live our 10 o'clock service, so hello, everybody. You can like leave a comment like, what's up? Hey, hello, hello. Let us know you're there. Um, anyway, Luke chapter 4. This is verse 38 where we'll start. Now, we're, we're coming out. If you missed last week, um, Jesus shows up at a church service. 
um, in, in Capernaum. Capernaum is about 25 miles away from his hometown. And uh, he shows up at a church service and he's teaching and he's preaching and he's got authority. And the people are like, man, this guy, he's a powerful teacher. I mean, this authority that he teaches. And all of a sudden, a demon shouts him down. And so Jesus encounters a demon and deals with a demon. If you missed last week, let me give it to you in a nutshell. Um, that when we submit to the power of God, it is the power of God that has the authority over the enemy. And when Jesus and his authority steps in to deal with the enemy, to deal with a demon, here's how he handles it. Shut up and get out. And so if you missed last week, um, you can go back and listen to it. That's it in a nutshell. I highly recommend you listen to it because you're called to a battle. Every one of us are called to fight. We're called to this battle in the spiritual warfare. And, and for those of you that were here last week, I've been praying for you that this week you've spent time fighting, that, you, that you've dealt with that and you've, you've submitted areas to your life to God um, so that you can tell the enemy to shut up and get out. And, and so Jesus is in this church service and it's, this is right after that happens because people will start talking about it. I mean, it's getting around the city. And it says 38, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon, it would be Simon Peter. He hasn't yet called his disciples yet, but this would be a soon-to-be disciple. And Jesus would stay there often when he was in Capernaum. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on their behalf. And he stood over her. Jesus stood over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and began to serve them. Some of the things that we've got to point out in this passage, there's a lot going on in this passage. Um, one of the things that we've got to understand is, is that healed people serve. You, you, um, you have a ministry. Every one of us, if we're a Christ follower, has a ministry. And a lot of that ministry comes from areas that God has, has dealt with our past. He's, he's healed us or redeemed us in our past. And, and you have a ministry in that. And, and God heals you not just to be healthy. God heals you to then serve and to go help those who need um, help in that situation. Here's what I've seen over and over and over years of ministry is that God will redeem you or he will take care of an area of your life. He'll heal you or bring freedom to an area of your life so that you can then go back to someone in that same situation and say, take my hand. Let me help you through this. Some of the most comforting words you'll hear in church are, me too. When you finally get the courage to really get honest about what you're struggling with, and you say, this is what's going on, and somebody says, me too. But let me tell you what God did through that situation. Because God's healed me, or God's redeemed me in that situation, and so let me help you, let me walk with you, let me encourage you. And that, that becomes an area of serving. I mean, God, God saves us and heals us so that we, we begin to serve, and we have a purpose in the kingdom and a purpose uh, in the body. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. So, so word gets out. And Capernaum's not a small town. It's a, it's a city. It's a place where a lot of Roman soldiers would, were headquartered. A lot of trade came through. It was a tax center. So, so there was a lot of people. Word gets out. And they came after sundown because um, the Sabbath was on this day, and it was, it was against their religion or their religious rules and traditions to do any work on Saturday. You couldn't walk so far. Um, you couldn't do any healings. And so Jesus, this is where Jesus starts to ruffle some feathers of the religious folks because it's on the Sabbath in the synagogue that he frees this man from this demon. Then he heals Simon's mother-in-law. But then everybody else at sundown came because they're like, look, we, we don't want, we, we, we're trying to follow the rules and get what we want. But Jesus loves to get in there and work on that religion, that religious spirit. 
You know, religion is like our attempt to box God in, and God's like, you ain't boxing me in, I'm sorry. But they come to him, and they, the word gets around, and they're bringing him, and I love what Jesus says. He la- or it says about Jesus, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And also demons came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Jesus didn't need the demons to testify on his behalf. Jesus said, my my word and my work is gonna stand on its own. And I want people to encounter me. And he's, he, what I love about it says that he touched every one of them. He laid hands on every one of them. Jesus is concerned about every one of us. It's not just God so loved the world and he looks at the world as the world. God so loves you. And God is, is, is desiring to be involved in your life and to be at work in your life. And so the people are, are coming and Jesus is healing them and he's dealing with, with issues and he's freeing them and, and there's redemption happening and, and all this is great. I mean, can you imagine how incredibly busy that day was? I mean, just people just keep coming and then the next morning, verse 42, and when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. This is Jesus getting alone with God. In some of the other gospels, it says that he got alone. He went to a desolate place to pray and be with his father. What you have about, this, this says a lot about our quiet time because what you have here is Jesus who is God. In the book of Colossians, it says this about Jesus. In him, in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity of God was pleased to dwell. So Jesus is fully man, but he is fully God. And he is saying, I need to get away. I need to spend time with my father. And so he leaves the crowd and he goes. That's, that's important for you and I to understand because we have the savior of the world, the perfect son of God, having to get away to spend time. Who do, you, who do we think we are? We're no different. And we've gotta be careful to have those quiet times and have those times um, where we can get connected with God. And it's not just, a, not just a prayer list. It's not just our, our, our to-do list for the creator of the universe. It's spending time in his presence. And so Jesus models that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But then uh, the people found him. They sought him out. They came to him and would have kept him from leaving. They wanted him to stay. What a balance between his hometown. His hometown wanted to kick him out. They wanted to kill him, but he got out, and they want him to stay. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus was clear on his purpose. He was focused on his purpose. And what, what, what's interesting is the people are like, we, you're healing people in our town and you're, you're, you're freeing people and, and people are getting delivered and, and that's, that's a great thing. But Jesus said, my, my purpose is much bigger than this city. And he was focused on this purpose. He had a clear focus. And, and what I've learned, it's, it's not so much about... Um, you know, I try to do this as a pastor and, and as just a man, as a leader in my home, is it's not always a decision of, of a filter between good and bad, but good and best. Because there's a lot of good things that can come in that even good things can be a distraction of the main purpose and the main thing. It's just, it's just like the building program. A building program can be a good thing, but that can't become the main focus, The gospel has to be the main focus for the church and getting that gospel out and seeing that transform lives and bringing glory to our Father. And that has to be the main mission. And and throughout our life, when when we 
are on purpose and we're focused in this mission, then, then there's going to be distractions that come in the way. And Jesus had to deal with these distractions. Jesus, his purpose wasn't just a healing ministry. His purpose wasn't just to go around the world in this, this region and cast out demons. His mission was reconciliation, that he was born to die on a cross, that on that cross, that his blood would be the payment for our sin and the ability for us to be reconciled to God. That was his main mission. And that mission was motivated by love. I mean, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And when we submit our life and we believe in him and we confess him as Lord and Savior, he says that those will not perish but have eternal life. That's the mission. And it gets... It can, it can be easy to get distracted from the main thing. The church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, God says, you do these things well, but this I have against you. You've lost your first love. If we lose love in the church, we've gotten way off mission. If anything comes in that starts to distract us from loving God and loving other people, we're not on mission. We've missed our focus. And and what happens is these distractions come in and and they're gonna jack with our focus. I I had to go to the eye doctor this week and and, and I wear contacts and and my eyes are weird. Like one eye I can see distance well and one eye I I can't. And so they do different contacts in my eyes and you know, they put that thing in front of you and they do the which is better. And, And for me, that's a stressful situation because I mean like, this is, this, is, this is my eyes, man. This is a year of being able to see the TV well and being able to read and drive and see the signs. I mean, and so I'm like, ah, ah. And so, you know, do you like one or two? Which one's more clear? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know which one, you know, clarity is a big thing we need. We've got to have a clear focus. And what's crazy is they didn't have my contact for my right eye in stock. And so it's on order. So I'm overcorrected right now. So my eye, like sometimes you're blurry, sometimes you're not. And so I'm like, I'm driving like this. You know, I can see the sign. Um, But we've got to have a clear focus. And in order for us to have a clear focus on the mission, we've got to have a focus on our purpose. And purpose is vital for us. And this isn't just in the church. If you're, whether you're not, you're a Christ follower. So I know we've got people at the creek that are wrestling with faith and trying to decide, is this, you know, I, I'm not ready to submit my life to this Jesus guy. I'm not sure yet. I just don't know. I'm still questioning. I'm wrestling. And that, that's fine. This is a safe place to do that. But whether you're a Christ follower or not, every one of us has wrestled with this idea of purpose, I mean, and, and this, it, this becomes a stressful thing for us. It's just it's almost like sitting in the eye doctor, one or two. Which one's more clear? What's my purpose? We, we, and we wrestle with this, and we, we kind of put this on our kids early, and we're trying to get them to focus on some purpose. You know, we'll ask kids, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And then we, we get into school, and, and we're trying to figure out what we're good at and what we want to be when we grow up, and we think that's our purpose, what we want to be when we grow up. In college, we have all this pressure. What's your major? Pick your major. I've got to change majors. I'm, and and, you know, and we, we, we start to get hung up on purpose. And, and purpose is always bigger than a major. And purpose is always bigger than a career. Let, let, let me give you some, some, some real examples. We, well, we get, we get confused on purpose and tasks. 
We start to think, well, what's your purpose? Well, this is what I do. I mean, here, here's, here's what you could do. I could, all of us men, we could sit around a campfire um, and we could talk about purpose and, and eventually what we do is start talking about what we do for a living because we tend to associate purpose with career. Um, women, when we talk about purpose, what it'll do is eventually it'll get to kids and, and career and, and, and you guys can multitask. You can focus on eight million things at a time. Guys, we can't do that. Um, but we start to then get into the tasks. My purpose is this what I do. And, and purpose is always bigger than a task. Purpose is always bigger than a job. It's always bigger than a career. See, Jesus had, he, he was doing tasks in Capernaum. He was healing people. He was delivering people that had bondage from the enemy. Those were tasks, but he says, the purpose is the good news of the kingdom. The, the purpose is reconciliation. And we've got to keep a clear focus on purpose. Otherwise, we start running around doing all these different tasks and, and miss the main thing. And this doesn't always mean the good and bad. I said sometimes it's good and best. It was good that people were getting healed. It was good that people were getting delivered. But Jesus came to save a world of sinners and give us that rescue. That's the best thing. And, and when we get into this idea of purpose and some examples, like in employment, we, we, go, we work in organizations where when we show up, we know what the purpose of that organization is. I mean, teachers, when you show up to work tomorrow, you know the purpose is to educate the kids and prepare them for their future. I mean, if you work in a business, you know, the purpose is to grow the business, to expand this and do these things. At a church, our purpose is to love you and make Jesus clear. And our purpose is to glorify God in everything we do. And to love them with all of our guts, every ounce of our being. And it's, it's, it's easy to get that, that into task. Parent, uh, parenting is hard. Pa I mean, and there's no book that can help you. There's millions of books, but there's no book on parenting. I mean, even in scripture, it doesn't tell me what curfews I should set and, and how much TV time and when should I let my kids have a Facebook account and, you know, you know, or should I lie for my kids so they can get a Facebook account because they're too young and you gotta be, you know, I'm, you know what I'm saying. Parenting is difficult. Heather will testify. There, there, there are times that Heather and I are like, why didn't we just go to the movies that night? I mean, you know, I don't know that I'm gonna be, it's okay, we love you, Abby. But It's hard. And it's dynamic and it's changing and it's fluid, but there is a reward for parenting. And I got that reward this past week. I got to spend time with my little granddaughter and that was awesome. I mean, how can you have a bad week when you, when you can see this? I mean, it's just, it, she is beautiful when you hold her. I mean, when I, when I just saw her coming out, Lauren and, and Winona coming out at the airport, man, my eyes are getting teary and misty and I'm just, but throughout the week, she knew my voice and I could just walk and go, hi, baby girl. And she would just, this is the face. And I mean, I am wrapped around her finger, and she has me. She had me at hello, um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rack up a lot of airline mileage buying plane tickets. 
Um, but my granddaughter is beautiful. She's my reward for all the hard years of parenting because it can be difficult. And, and what can happen is we can miss our purpose of parenting because we get stuck in the hard tasks. I mean, we, we, you, you, you have young kids. If you have toddlers, that's a difficult time. If you have teenagers, that's a difficult time. There's a common denominator. Having kids is difficult, but there's a great purpose in it. God gives us purpose in that. And what is the purpose for us as parents? What do we do? We raise our kids to leave. I mean, when you, I mean it's biblical. Solomon says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. In Genesis, speaking of marriage, for this reason, a, a, a man will leave his father and mother and become united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Some of you are like, so when does that happen? At what age does that occur? If I could tell you, I would write a book, okay? Um, but we can miss the purpose of raising kids because the tasks are difficult, and the day-to-day time, getting that time alone. Man, some of y'all are like, I would love to have a desolate place. But my kids find me everywhere I go in the house. <laughs> but the, those times can be difficult. But don't miss the purpose of your family. Your family just doesn't exist. God brought you together. You have a purpose. Single moms, single dads, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to disciple your kids so when they leave, they, they're not just functioning, uh, contributing adults in society, they follow Jesus. See, you and I are called disciples because we follow Jesus. And then we're called to make disciples. And some of the disciples we very often overlook are the ones we spend so much time with in our home. And we're called to disciple our kids because they are watching. They are going to do what you do. And it's important for us to understand the purpose of our family. Your job, the purpose isn't just a paycheck. The purpose isn't just survival. The purpose isn't just existence. You have a purpose in your workplace. And that's to glorify God with everything you got, that that all of your work, everything you do, that whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Jesus said this in, in John chapter 17 when he was praying before his crucifixion. He's praying to God. He says, Father, I, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do on the cross of on the cross, when he was crucified, he, he calls out, it is finished. The work is complete. That's the purpose. The purpose wasn't just spending, a, the purpose wasn't a healing ministry in Capernaum. And comfort can start to jack with our purpose because we start to think, well, this is good enough. No, God's called you to best. Best means that you you look at good enough and you say, that's a distraction. That doesn't accomplish the purpose that I was called and created for. And so, I mean, the question is, have you invited God into those discussions about purpose? Because a lot of times, I'm the same way. God, here's, here's my purpose. Here's my plan. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want my purpose to be. Now, I want you to bless it. And here's what God does. He looks at it and goes, that you're not gonna be satisfied with this purpose. The, the purpose that I've created in you is gonna make this look like nothing. 
So spend some time inviting God in to, to give you a clarity and a clear focus on that purpose. That, that we're to glorify him with everything we got. Love him with all our heart, soul, our mind, our strength, all of our guts. Every ounce that we've got. Every resource we've got. The purpose is him. And, and he gives us that purpose in a right priority. You know, we've got to have a clear focus on a purpose, but we also have to have a clear focus on priorities. And I say clear focus on priorities because a lot of times we think, well, you need to get, you need to get some priorities in your life. Let me tell you the truth. Every person on the planet has priorities in their life. Just are they healthy priorities? Are they priorities that keep us balanced? I mean, Jesus had priorities. He said, look, I, I, I love staying in Capernaum and he would stay there often. He would stay at Simon Peter's house um, and, and but he had priorities. My priority is not just, just Capernaum. My priority is the world. My priority is the redemption and reconciliation of those that are lost. And, and every one of us are lost. We are born lost. And the reality about priorities is you and I, every one of us, have at the center of our life a throne. And on that throne, we place something and that becomes the top priority. That thing that we let sit on the throne in our life that we submit to, that becomes ultimate. For some, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's easy to get those things off. Career, family can even get placed on that throne in our life. Our kids can be placed on that throne. And that's not the place where they should be. They can't, they can't handle that pressure. That's not what their purpose is. And... and Every one of us are going to prioritize. And, and when you look at biblical priorities, I mean, Jesus said it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's easy for us to, to, to say we've got Jesus at, that, at the center of our life, that he is the Lord of our life, that he is our top priority, and that he's ultimate. But, but we can, what we can do is we can take Jesus and we move him off of that, that number one spot, and we can put the things that we want from Jesus in that number one spot. And we can do that. We wrap it in religious jargon to make it look like we're holy. I mean, we, think about it. And think about your quiet time. What do you pray for? I mean, is it just a, a, a list, a, a to-do list for God? And I mean, it is important for us to pray for these things. And, and I pray for you. And we've got people in our, our church that are wrestling with cancer. We've got people in our church that their marriages are on the ropes. And I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to bring a resuscitation into that marriage and for you to fall in love with each other in a way you never have before and that the God of reconciliation can bring that to a reality in your life. And I'm praying, you, we have people at the creek that are out of work and I'm praying, for, I'm praying for these things, but those don't become ultimate. See, it's important. See, they implored to Jesus on behalf of Simon's mother-in-law. So it's important to to pray for these things and to pray for other people. But, but the number one thing is, is, God, I want to pursue you. I want to look like you. I want, I want to draw so close to you, God, that when people see me, they're, they're seeing you. And I'm asking for, for you, God, to be the ultimate in my life. I mean, we'll, we'll spend time praying. You know, I'll, People say, pray for me. I need more patience. Um, if you pray for patience, you're going you're gonna to get taught patience. I-35, 
is your first lesson. I failed it. But um, <laughs> we pray for, I pray, I'm, you know, I'm praying for more joy. I'm praying for more peace. You know, people who deal with things, I'm praying for more self-control. Can I, can I tell you, it's easy to take those things that Jesus can give, that the healing and the deliverance, and place that on the throne and make that ultimate in your life. When in reality, what we've done is say, Jesus, yeah, yeah, you go over there, but I want what you can give me. And that becomes ultimate in my life. And we work in these priorities. Our priorities, if you're writing these down, our first priority is our relationship with God. My relationship with God is my top priority. My relationship with my spouse is my second priority. My relationship with Heather is second to my relationship with God. My relationship to my kids is third falls after my relationship with my Savior, my wife, my kids, then my job. And, and for those that serve in the church, whether you volunteer or you work on staff at the church, it's easy to get number one and four confused and we'll flip that and go, well, I'm serving God. I studied to lead my life group and I studied to lead the Bible study or, or I, I prayed before I, I worked in this area of the church and it's easy to get this serving God above your relationship with God. Here's what that looks like. You're a waiter in the greatest restaurant in the world with the greatest food in the world and you're serving it up but you're starving. Get it? flipped my relationship with God. The only way I can be the healthy husband and the husband God has called me and created me to be is to have my priority. Jesus as ultimate in my life. My kids fall third because they need to see a healthy mom and dad. They need to see what it looks like for a mom and dad to struggle and wrestle but submit that to God in relationship with God. Because one day, I, I raise girls and I've already got one that's married, so I'm not letting the other one get married. I've been there, done that. <laughs> Sorry. Now, one day, one day, a young man's going to come, and he's going to ask for Abby's hand in marriage, and he's going to get the same thing that, that Andrew, my son-in-law, got. I said, jobs come and go. Money comes and goes. But I want you to tell me this. How are you going to spiritually support my daughter? Because they've grown up in a system of priorities that a relationship with God is a priority in their life. And to see how mom and dad are, that starts to create what they look at in marriage as normal. And I have a responsibility as a man of God, as a husband and a father, to make sure that when my kids leave, they step in to a healthy, balanced set of priorities in a healthy relationship when they leave. And then my job, my job's a pastor, and I just gotta tell you, my job as a pastor can't get in the way of these top three. It doesn't mean I neglect anything on that priority list. To neglect it would be a, 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 an abuse of priority. But I, I cannot let being a pastor impact my, I can't let that negatively affect my relationship with God. I can't let being a pastor impact my marriage in a negative way because you need to see a healthy pastor on this platform. And you need to see a healthy pastor in a marriage. Our marriage isn't perfect. Heather will testify to that. 
But you need a pastor in a healthy marriage. You need a pastor that, that is healthy with his kids. That's what we need to see. We, priorities, when we get them out of balance, it's like a wheel on a car. The whole thing shakes. And for so many people, you feel like your life is shaking and you feel like it's hectic and it's out of control. I mean, that's just been a theme lately. That's why we slowed down worship last week and, and kind of slowed it down and, and just kind of spent more time reflecting, just kind of breathe a minute. And you feel like your life is so hectic and you don't know how to tap the brakes and when something's out of balance, it's moving fast and it's just shaking. And, and you're wondering how, and, and here's the sad reality that most people, when they feel that way, they derail their own train just to get a break. When in reality, it's coming back to Jesus and say, Jesus, clarify my purpose. Refocus me on my purpose and refocus my priorities. Bring me back into this balance. And this is the time to do it. Some of y'all need to do some work with God today. And our prayer team's gonna be available and our prayer team, is, they're not perfect. They struggle with the same things. And here's the reality, in a, in a minute, I'm gonna pray for us and, and I'm gonna walk off this platform and the easy part is done. Preaching this message is the easiest part. But I'm gonna walk off this platform and I gotta live it. For you, the easiest part is done. You've heard the message. Now you're accountable to live it. And that's where it's hard that's where it takes us working. That's where it takes us helping each other to stay focused on the purpose and to come back and hold each other accountable in those priorities. So I'm gonna pray. And for some of you, today might be the day. Maybe God's been talking to you throughout this. And today might be the day that you take that throne that's at the center of your life. And today might be the day you let Jesus have his rightful place as ultimate in your life. That you just, you call out to him and say, Jesus, I'm asking you to be my savior and he forgives us of our sin. And when we say, I'm asking you to be my Lord, means I'm asking you to sit on the throne at the center of my life and to be the priority and you become the ultimate in everything. So some of us need to refocus and rebalance today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you fulfilled your purpose in Jesus that Jesus was clear about his mission, clear about his purpose, and clear on the priorities. And God, there are times that through that purpose and those priorities, Jesus said no. And so I'm asking you to give us the courage to refocus on purpose, to rebalance our priorities so that we can say no even to good things so we don't miss out on the best things. God, I'm asking you to give grace and, and, and peace to, to people who are exhausted in the tasks and have lost focus on the purpose. God, I'm asking you to give grace and courage to deal with the hard work of rebalancing and our priorities. God, I'm asking for your grace 
to be poured out through repentance as people take whatever it is that's at the center of their life and allow you your rightful place on the throne. We ask for your grace and your mercy and we thank you for your love. We ask you for your strength and your courage to live this out, not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers as well. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com.